0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. Well, 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 good morning everyone. Glad that you were able to make it out this morning. Snow, snow, and more snow. Yes. Anyone tired of it yet? I was tired the first time I saw it. I feel like I'm in need of some warm sunshine. Um, I know I'm always reminded, anytime I'm tempted to complain, which sometimes I do, um, people say, hey, this is the day that the Lord hath made. Rejoice and be glad in it. I don't like those people. But uh, it is a true statement for sure. Uh, We want to welcome all of our guests uh, this morning. You are... uh, you're special to us and we love having guests in our home. And uh, we certainly, as Pastor James already say, give a shout out to those who are watching online. And technology is an amazing thing. And um, in fact, uh, I love when people actually, when they're watching on Facebook, sometimes they will say, and, and Pastor James said, you know, some were last week were watching from Mexico, some from Qatar. And I love when I see these on, on Facebook. Hey, watching from my bed in Sarnia. I'm like, oh, that's great that you can join us in the comfort of your own home. Listen, if this is your first time with us, I, I feel like we just need to be right up front with you. We're a church on the move. We're a church on our mission. And that is connecting people to Jesus and to one another. We're absolutely convinced, absolutely, that the most important relationship any man, woman, boy, or girl can have is with Jesus. And we just believe life is better when you do it together. Well we are in week five of our series Worst Advice Ever and I want to say thank you for those who took the time uh, to fill out these cards because really these cards have helped shape uh, the series that we're in and that's why uh, we decided that uh, we were going to deal with finances because that was the number one thing the worst advice you'd ever been given was about finances Followed up with relationships. And so we were two weeks on relationships. And, and then there was a lot of bad advice given about spiritual things in your life. And so we said we're going to do two weeks on that. Well, this week I kind of had a little bit uh, of um, a change of heart. I, I decided we're going to add one more week uh, to relationships. We're going to deal three weeks with that. And, and the reason why is because of some of the things that I read. One of the things that I've discovered through this, is that there's a lot of bad advice given to single people. And uh, so we're going to deal with that actually this morning. Um, Here's uh, some of the uh, advice uh, that has been given to singles. Your standards are too high. You need to lower them. Oh, that's really good advice. If you wait too long to get married, no one will want you because you'll seem desperate. Who gives this kind of advice? If you want to be married, I actually talked to this person. If you want to be married and you're not, it's probably because there's sin in your life. Now, I can't imagine someone saying that. Here's one. Now, some of this advice, you, you may say, well, that's not bad advice. That's good advice. This one here, there's only one perfect person for you. Here's one. You need to have sex with someone before you get married so you can know if you're sexually compatible. Uh, no sex before marriage is a nice ideal, but it's not realistic. Here's one. You don't really know what love is until you're married. Sometimes you uh, simply have to settle for a spouse. Don't hold out too long. The good ones will all be gone. A great place to find someone is at the bar. Here's one. Get all the sex you can while you can. (laughs) Here's probably a big one do what feels right. Follow your heart. And so, because of some of these cards that were submitted, I just felt inclined to address some of those things. Some of the worst advice. Uh, ever given and uh you know it's it's interesting consider my situation i've never ever spoken on this in my life ever this is the first time and i realized that in a church like ours there's a there's a lot of single people there are those who are single because you're waiting to get married there are those who are single because you know divorce There are those who are single because uh, you're widowed and you find yourself on your own again. There are some that have just chosen that life of singleness. Interesting, in an article put out by Business Insider, it said that the latest research says for the first time ever, people will spend more time being single than married. They will spend more of their life alone than married, and that has never, ever been true in the history of mankind. And I realized this morning we have single moms and we have single dads here as well. Singleness certainly brings a unique uh, struggle, but it brings unique opportunities as well. One of the greatest pleasures that I have is being one of the pastors uh, at this church. But sometimes I... Sometimes I wonder if maybe a single man or a single woman may feel a little ostracized here at Temple. You know, because maybe you feel like you're not part of the inside story because we're such a family-centric church, which I think is a great thing. You know, but so often, those sermon illustrations are maybe about married life or about raising children. And you may feel like, hmm, you feel a little isolated because of that. It seems in general that singles are viewed by others, and often by themselves, as lacking something. You know, the longer singleness remains, the more people look through the lenses of singleness as a loss. And this is common for a lot of singles. And what happens when you're a younger single and your friends all get married? Well, then they try their very best to hook you up with all of their other single friends. And, of course, when things don't happen, what begins to go through people's minds, like, "Hmm, must be something wrong with that person. And then singles start to think that God has robbed them of something, or maybe God has forgotten them, by not bestowing on them this blessing of, you know, married life. Let me say right off out of the gate, married couples who view a singleness as an oddity, or single men or single women who view God as someone, as God as someone who has forgotten them in their situation, has robbed them of the joy, don't really have a complete understanding exactly what the Bible says about singleness. In fact, Jesus and many of the Bible writers celebrate that whole area of singleness. You know, I can remember, I was 24 years old, I was sitting at the bench at the, uh, at the church, i just finished having youth group, um, leading youth group, and all the teens had gone, and I was sitting there, uh, just getting rid of my car, and one of the parents came up to me and sat right beside me. I'll never forget this. They said, you know, um, Donald, I think of all the people that I know, I think you have the gift of singleness. I was like, What? I immediately said, can it be exchanged or turned in for something else? My first response, you know, Jesus actually talks about the single life. It's found in Matthew nine 12. We're not going to look at that right now, but he actually addresses that, the single life. You know, sometimes people have this image that single people go home to a very dreary, weary, dark, and dingy apartment and eat cold pizza and microwave frozen meals, and they have no life. Couldn't be farther from the truth. Actually, being single, according to the Bible, gives you lots of freedom to get involved in areas that you never thought possible. But this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at a few uh, of the bad advices that are given to singles. Bad advice. Number one, the number one, I think, is it's all about the looks. Singles are told that all the time. It's all about the looks. Now, I know we would never put it that way, but that'd be way too shallow, right? We'd never say that. But we're willing to wiggle on anything but attraction. Hey, if their character's not, well, you know, we can coach them along. We can work with bad character. Tinder, which is uh, one of the big dating sites online, I kind of um, really emphasizes that a lot. No, it doesn't, seem to appear, it doesn't seem to appear that it matters what you do or what you believe. The question is, is she hot or is she not? That's how you decide. Hmm. Let me tell you, looks are a depreciating asset. 25 years ago, I was a really good-looking man. Now look. That's the one thing for sure that will eventually be gone. In Proverbs 31.10, King Lemieux shares some insights from his mother, believe it or not. He says, my mama told me a few things to help me out when I was dating. And these words, he says, have been passed down by my mother. He says, or she says, hey Lemieux, one day you're going to be looking for a lady and I want to help you in your pursuit of finding somebody. And she says, beauty can actually lead you astray. But a wife with noble character, well, who can find such a person? She says it's, it's more valuable than rubies. My mama told me there's far more to be looking for in a mate and a spouse and a wife than just looks. If you ain't got character... My mama says she don't like you, and she likes everybody. This is King Lemieux's mom speaking here. So there's uh, the myth that it's all about looks. I think that's bad advice, and, but we give it out. I think another one is that there is only one right person for you. I think that is bad advice. I think a lot of married people give that as bad advice. I think it's a myth. The right person myth. Because if I marry the right person, everything will be all right. See, it's not about finding the right person. It's about becoming the right person. It's a big difference about becoming the right person. So are you who the person you are looking for is looking for? There is not much said about the hunting process of dating, finding the right person. But boy, the Bible is a lot about the person that you are becoming. God created relationships, and he created us all for relationships. And the key to relationship is not finding the right person. It's becoming the right person. And there's another myth that goes right along with that. If you find the right person, here's the myth. I will live happily ever after. We know that's not true. Right? But yet every romantic comedy, every fairy tale ends that way. If I marry the right person, I will ride off in the sunset. It just will come so easy. Let me tell you, no matter who you marry... As singles. It takes work to have a good marriage. It doesn't just happen. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 20 says, believe it or not, I'd forgotten about this verse, and then when I read it this week, those who will marry will face many troubles in this life. That's what it says in Corinthians. So, girl, you're gonna have trouble when you marry him. Or guy? according to the bible so finding it's not about finding the right person it's about becoming the right person now we've looked at this before first corinthians chapter 13 but i want us to just uh renew it again in first corinthians chapter 13 it says love is patient See, love is not pushy, yet sometimes the married person thought that I wouldn't need patience because I married the right person, so therefore I don't need it. Whew. Bad. It also says that love is kind. Love is considerate. You know, sometimes maybe when we're dating, we go, well, that person doesn't deserve my my phone call back. They treated me this way. They hurt me. And that's when I would say it's not about what they deserve, it's about what are you becoming. See, love is kind. Love does not delight in evil. It says that right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love does not, listen to this, dishonor others. Love does not create regrets for the other person. I might be a lot of things, but one thing I do not want to be is someone else's regret. Love does not behave disgracefully or dishonorably or indecently. Ladies, would it not be great if you, ever, if you could go on a date and you would know the guy would never do anything that would lead to your regret? And guys, if you would determine that, you would be in a very small pool of men who would live that way. In fact, women don't even think that can even happen anymore. And social media has made it that way. Our culture has made it that way. Movies have made it that way. Music has made it that way. I don't want to do something or, or someone. I, I want to become someone. I don't want to be someone else's regret. That is a decision that you can make. A virtue that you can pursue. L- listen, love is not self-seeking. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, it says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, or when I became an adult, I put away, I put away childhood things. Childhood stories always end. They live happily ever after. But that is childish thinking. Happily happily ever after has nothing to do with finding the right person. It is all about becoming the right person. Here's another myth that I think singles buy into. Now, you you may disagree with me here this morning. That's okay. But I do believe these are bad advice that is oftentimes given to singles. And it was actually stated right in one of these cards. Make sure you're sexually compatible before you get married. I think that has led to a lot of confusion. If you're a man, and they're a woman, you are compatible. God made man, and he made woman. And that's important. The idea that you can have sex outside of marriage and there be no consequences is not true. You know, hey, people say, Hey, it is just, um, it's just physical, right? Just two people agreed. Oh, no, no, no. It is much more than that. It's powerful. And God designed it and God created it to be inside the confines of marriage. And the advice is so bad because what it takes what was designed for inside of marriage and it places it outside of marriage. And honestly, I feel like it's wrecking havoc a our country, it uniquely affects people. And it's so much different than all of the other sins that we may commit. In 1 Corinthians 6.16, there was, in the church, they were, Paul was addressing, there were men. And the discussion was, well, there, some men are, are, are hooking up with prostitutes. And that was being addressed. In 1 Corinthians, you know, there were some men who had this really strong um, sex drive. And they needed to let off a little steam so they get a prostitute. And Paul says, don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say, the two are united into one. And that's why Paul says, listen, don't flirt around with it. In fact, the instruction is just to run from it. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. It's true. God created sex. God made sex. To say God is approved or against sex is ridiculous. It would be like saying Steve Jobs is against the iPhone. Like, it's crazy. But because God knows you, and because God knows you the best, he says, I've created sex in the confines of marriage, where two people are permanently joined together. And if you take it outside of marriage, you know what happens? People get hurt, and boy, there's a lot of pain. It's like a fire. A fire inside of a fireplace is awesome. You sit by the glow of the light, the crackling of the fire, the smell of the fire, but you take that same fire and you let it ravage through your house. It's devastating. It's not good. And sex inside of a marriage is great, but outside of marriage, it's just painful. Sex is so powerful. That's why people always remember their first experience. One guy wrote this. Is celibacy difficult? Yes. But so is marriage and so is grad school. Is it frustrating at times? He says, yes. But watch someone trying to raise a toddler. It can be frustrating. Have there been times when you wanted to give up? This guy says, yes. But it's worth it. Yes. Do I regret it? No. One guy's perspective. Here's another myth. My past defines me and disqualifies me. My past disqualifies me from ever having God's best in my life. And I know that there are actually people in this room who actually believe that. Because of my past, I cannot have God's best. That's why I have to settle. I mean, a godly man, a godly woman, why would they ever want me? Because a godly man or a godly woman sees you as Christ sees you, not condemned. The clearest picture that we have of that is actually found in John chapter 8. Remember that story where Jesus is teaching at the temple and and the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they they literally grab this lady out of the bed that she's she's with another man, not her husband, and they drag her out and they bring her to the feet of Jesus and they just kind of throw her at Jesus' feet. And she says, or the leaders say, now Jesus, the law says we should stone her. What do you say we should do? Trying to trick him. And Jesus says, well, he who has the first stone, go ahead, and you cast it. And the story says that from the oldest to the youngest, they walked away. And then Jesus asks the lady, has no one condemned you? She says, no one, Lord. He says, well, neither do I go and sin more her past her sexual past was only five minutes old (laughs) don't get trapped by saying the best i can do is well it's probably that person so i'll settle don't fall for that don't fall don't settle for the fact that you feel like well my past disqualifies me what's christ doing in your life now What's the person you're becoming now? Here's another myth, which probably is the worst one of all. It's the worst advice I think you can give to anybody. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Your heart will lead you. Your heart will direct you. Your heart will guide you. I think that's absolutely destructive advice. In other words, what it's saying is just do what feels good. No one can tell you what to do. Do what's right for you, girl. Do what's right for you, guy. No one has the right to tell you what is right or what is wrong. Can we just agree? The more I feel like doing whatever I want to do, more pain it creates and the more damages it cause and the more empty I feel when I just do what feels good to me yet that message is everywhere in this world everywhere you go do whatever your heart leads you to do but when we go with that strategy when we go with that advice this is what happens pornography is way out of control Divorce gets way out of control. Infidelity gets way out of control. Adultery, way out of control. Rape, way out of control. Because, hey, I'm going to do it. It feels good to me. I was shocked with this statement. I just heard recently that it's more common to be raped than to be a smoker. I just read that stat the other day. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart, we looked at this verse before, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? In all things, of all the things, of all the advice that you can give, this is the worst advice that you can give anybody, a single or a married person. It's the least thing that you should trust is your heart. Because it has the ability to convince you to do whatever feels good. Hey, God wants you to be happy, doesn't He? Right? Well, then do what feels good to you. The world says follow your heart. But honestly, it isn't working. It isn't working. We see it everywhere, but it's not working. Follow your heart and do whatever you want. The the culture has so many examples of people doing this and leaving a path of pain and destruction. People get hurt when people just do what they feel like. Amazing what people will do that will actually hurt the people that are closest to them because they follow their heart. Kelly Clarkson... um, a pop idol, or a pop singer, the, the first uh, original American Idol winner, um, sang on the very last episode of American Idol. I think it was season number 15. And she sings a song called Peace, Piece by Peace. And the song that she wrote is about her father who walked out on her because he followed his heart to unfaithfulness. He abandoned her and her mother and created all kinds of pain. Him following his heart and doing what felt good left a terrible amount of pain in her life. And in this song that she wrote, she's trying to learn how to trust piece by piece. In fact, she says through her husband, she's trying to learn that a man can actually die to their own wants and put another's ahead of them. I just want to show you a quick clip what happens. I show that so we can know that when we feel like we can do whatever we want to do, it hurts others. And to think that there are no consequences is absolutely ridiculous. It's insane to think that. The weeping, the crying, the hurt that takes place because someone followed their heart. in the context of marriage when things get hard. And they do, and they will. We're told that they will right in 1st Corinthians. When things get hard, are you going to be the one who is going to be faithful? The one who does not walk away, but actually sacrifices themselves? Are you going to be the person who says, I am not going to be the person who just does what feels good, but I'm going to lay aside those things because I love you. Let me ask you a question. Who's going to teach people to live that way? Who's going to teach people to live that way? Who's going to teach people that whatever feels good, you don't live by that? That you don't just do what feels good? Like who? Who's going to teach that? The culture that we live in? (laughs) No. Is Hollywood going to teach men, right, don't have that fling with a secretary? No. Like, who's going to teach it? Is the government going to teach that kind of stuff? No. Who's going to teach men to be faithful? Who's going to teach husbands to lay down their life for her? Who's going to teach the wives to do the same? Lay down their life for their husband. Who's going to teach men not to give themselves over to addictions? To drug addictions or alcoholic uh, addictions or workaholic addictions or having an affair with the secretary. Who is going to teach that? Who's gonna teach that message? Christ, the perfect example of a faithful spouse even when it hurts. Christ said, I will die for you. This is the message of the church and that's why it is so important, so important. We're the ones who offer the answer to Kelly's question that she sings, is there someone that could do this? (sighs) Can there be a man who would be faithful? That's the question in her song. Could there be a spouse who could love me and stay even when things get really tough and it hurts? Is there a man that would just say, no, I'm not going anywhere? Christ, the perfect spouse. He says he's the groom and the church is his bride. And he laid down his life for the bride. Christ, the perfect spouse. I believe if you will surrender your marriage, surrender your dating life, surrender your life to Christ. Not so he can just have control, but so these other things don't have control of you. Would you? Would you surrender to God who loves you, who is the perfect spouse? Who's going to teach people that? (laughs) The church of Jesus Christ is uniquely offers a solution to this world. In the midst of a culture that says, hey, just follow your heart. Let it lead you wherever you want to (laughs) go. Don't do what is right for you, but do what is right for your spouse. Do what's right for your girlfriend. Do what's right for your boyfriend. Do what's right for your husband. Don't chase whatever is next. Don't chase that fling with the secretary. Don't waste your things, your life on those things. Surrender to Christ. Best advice I could ever, ever give anybody. Surrender your life to Christ. It will be the best experience as it relates to your dating life, your love life and your relationship life. And I know some of you here, I've heard your story. Some of you come from really bad examples of fathers and mothers. So the chain has to break with you. So it doesn't continue. Maybe it's gonna have to be your prayer. God, I've never seen a good example of what it is. To be a husband or a mother. So, I'm going to need your hope, your help. I'm going to need your help. Let me tell you, Jesus will be your only hope. He's your future marriage's only hope. He is the world's only hope. And if we would surrender ourselves, He will lead us places that we never, ever dreamed. That's what it means to surrender your life to Christ. Let's pray. And God, you are the perfect example of a good, good father. And if we will surrender, you will lead us. Lord, I know that there are some singles here this morning that really struggle being single. They find it a difficult path to walk. They face a lot of the pressures of culture, friends. And God, I pray that for those, especially those who are waiting, have that desire to get married, are waiting to get married. I pray, God, that it wouldn't be so much about finding the right person, but it would be about becoming the right person. And so, Lord, my prayer, our prayer together, is that we would just live differently, differently, than how the world lives or how even the world advises. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.